Hey y'all, this is Sarah Mel, and you're listening to Phases of the Womb Podcast. I'm have you introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Ellen. Like, do I need to say my whole name? Or it's like... up to you. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> hey, y'all. My name is Ellen. I am a NICU nurse for over six years. And yeah. Okay. And um, what made you decide to go into NICU? So going into nursing school is actually funny. I didn't want to do anything with children. I wanted to go into the ICU or the ER. Mm. So I started working like as like a um like a volunteer in the hospital mm. and I was being a volunteer in the ER. But it was boring around the times I was going. Nothing would be popping up. Oh, so God. one of the nurses <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Usually everything popped in the ER. But right. it was like for them, but like nothing they just had me restocking like they never like was showing me nothing interesting mm-hmm. so one of the nurses was like can you bring something to one of my friends that's in the NICU so I went up there and I'm like oh they holding the babies and mm-hmm. like the ones that's crying or like helping feed and I was like oh that's cute so I decided to switch and do that and then I had was a little familiar with it because my brother was a NICU baby. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I actually just started to like it. I felt like it still was intensive care. It was just with little people. So yeah. I was like, okay. So I went into nursing school with one idea and left out with a completely different path. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> and how, it just that's worked out for me. Okay, so it just worked out for me. Okay, so... You know, I work on the labor side of things. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, typically we call you before delivery and be like, you know, the strip not looking great. Mama got mm-hmm. this going on. Me personally, I'm going to call you before anybody say call you because once they come out, I don't want no parts. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us what like what type of things I guess did you usually seeing NICU like what things were pretty common what what usually gets you know a baby an admission to NICU I guess um so most common is like respiratory distress like babies born you know how you stimulate them you want them to cry they Mm -hmm. don't cry you know so they call us and say hey baby's been a a lot like you know, took the time on down for like two or three minutes, you know, we need y'all to come and do whatever. So a lot of babies uh, brought to us for respiratory distress. Um, also like meconium aspiration is kind of like that poop that you want them to have. Like when they're first born, it's like sticky. Yeah. They might have some of that that didn't get all the way out. So they get that brought to us for that. A lot of babies are brought to us for jaundice. That's that yellow color that they have to them that they like tell you, oh, your baby needs some sun. <laughs> or, <laughs> or if, you know, you're in the hospital and you see that light on them with their little sunglasses on, mm-hmm. that helps them, like, break down um, what they call bilirubin in your body. It helps them break that down and they'll feed babies formula to help them poop all of that out so they don't have that yellow color to them. So they'll be in the queue for that. And then other like major things that's like wrong with the babies. But for most most kids that just 
there for like high bilirubin and respiratory distress mostly. Okay. And then um, my actually something that I didn't put on there because it just kind of came to me while you were saying it. So mm-hmm. we get a lot of people who, uh, well, let me not say that. Right now I'm working in Louisiana, child. And I'm working okay. in the country of Louisiana. <laughs> and I'm working with real old school doctors that just do whatever and don't nobody tell them nothing. And it's, okay. you know, I've been up for like six, seven weeks and it's it's been a little stressful. I ain't gonna lie. Because you got <laughs> you got patients who are yeah, a lot of people that be like, I'm so over being pregnant and they'd be like thirty two weeks. I could just have my baby now. You know what I'm saying? And we know like full term is is thirty seven weeks and after, right? So right. what what common problems, I guess I'm going to say, do you see, and it, it may be the same, but like people who, for whatever reason, most of the time, it, I mean, I guess they kind of got to be emerging if you get delivered at like 34, 33, 32, whatever weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the issues that you see when babies are born preterm? Because I kind of want to. People just be thinking, like, get them out and we could figure it out later. They could just go to NICU. Like, that's just uh, okay. And I think people don't realize, like, NICU stands for neonatal ICU. Like, it's not yeah. It's not just, like, let's just give them a little oxygen and they're going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. what what are, like, the things, I guess, you see if a baby is preterm? Um, a lot of cases is the respiratory distress because, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say, oh, your lungs are fully developed, but still like you're now allow- not allowing the baby to what, like fully grow and mm-hmm. cook as everybody say, mm-hmm. as long as they want to, like you're pulling them out prematurely when like you're inducing or something like that mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. Um, also they they don't, they may not have their suck swallow refle- reflexes yet, like, um, what we call them, like, feeder growers. Like, they might be a good size. They may not have any respiratory issues, but they don't know how to eat. Okay. Like, that was my brother's issue. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't need any respiratory issues. Uh, he didn't need any respiratory support. He just didn't know how to eat yet. And then we also have, like, we call, like, uh, African-American girls are typically, like, stronger mm-hmm. than Caucasian girls, uh, than African-American males, and then... Uh, white boys they're kind of like the weaker ones so mm-hmm. the, that's what we just kind of say like in the NICU like based on like the gender and their um their race kind of how stronger the babies are mm-hmm. but most of them like when you take them out prematurely like they have respiratory issues that's the main thing because you're not allowing them to you know stay in the womb as long as they need to be into the fully develop and mm-hmm. then they don't have their reflexes to eat which is earns them a trip to the NICU right. you might see them with like a feeding tube and in their nose or in their mouth and you know if they're not having respiratory issues the tube is in their nose and they might take only a few sucks from their bottle and then you have to feed the rest through their stomach until they get all their strength they need to actually mm-hmm. take a full bottle mm-hmm. so and then also too you know we're trying to feed them prematurely they can have issues with their gut and you know, that's a whole other thing right. with um, their gut not being mature enough to digest. Um, depending on the gestational age, if we give them donor breast milk or if mom is choosing to breastfeed or 
choosing to get formula. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother topic too between breast milk and formula. Right. But, you know, issues with them digesting their their food, however, whatever choice you're cho- choosing to give them, you know, they have issues with that and um, causing them to have what we call neck um and their gut, part of their gut kind of gets inflamed and you have to stop feeding them for a while. And it's just best to allow the baby to stay in mom as long as possible. Right. And not pull them out prematurely just Mm -hmm. because, oh, I'm ready. I'm I'm tired of being pregnant. No. (laughs) (laughs) We understand that, but it's best for the baby to stay in as long as possible to prevent, you know, these situations because, the NICU is not a plan stop for any parent. Right. It's really a, a, what we call like an interruption in your care. You know, you, you're you thinking you're going to be pregnant for nine to 10 months for mm-hmm. some people, right? You go to the hospital, you deliver your and mother baby for however long, and then mm-hmm. you go home. Right. You know, don't think that you're going to go home, but your baby is going to stay behind X amount of days or months for some people, yeah. you know, so that's not the plan for most parents unless you know you're told early on that hey we see this going on with your baby you know this is what's going to happen you know so no one no one plans that so that's kind of like a traumatic experience so if we can prevent that let's do that you know yeah yeah and I think people don't even I don't think people realize too like I mean what you're saying about respiratory like that's like one of the last things to develop because they don't need mm-hmm. to breathe while they're in the womb. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you, that's why they give, like, I think they give steroids up to, like, 34 weeks to make yeah, it through 35 weeks. That's why, mm-hmm. like, they have, um, what is it? The, the people take it out of context. They have this study called the ARRIVE study that basically mm-hmm. said that you can induce people at 39 weeks. But all the studies were showing, like, people who were getting induced, especially like electively before mm-hmm. 39 weeks, they, it's like, it's so like multifactorial. Like you have, <clears throat> let's say you get a 38 week, right? Mm-hmm. And you decide to induce them. Well, mm-hmm. your due date is an estimate if you don't know exactly when you conceive. So they could have, they could have gotten pregnant two weeks later than mm-hmm. that. And they could actually be 36 weeks. Versus 38, you know what I'm saying? Or the other way around. And it's just like, you know, Mm -hmm. you get, you sit there and be induced because you're like, I'm tired of being pregnant. You get induced and then your baby come out and you're like, damn, why you not, why you not eating? Why you not, Mm -hmm. why you not latching? Why, why you having a hard time breathing? Why you have, because let that baby come out when it's ready to come out. Right. (laughs) My nerves be so bad with these elective inductions and I get it. I've never been pregnant and I know it's uncomfortable, but like you got a due date for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like you have at least like trying to get induced at 37, 38 weeks just because is just a wild concept to me. Cause you know, you're not trying to, you order food. You ain't going to eat your food and it's not done. Why are you trying to take this baby out? Like, I just, to me, it just, don't, it infuriates me. I'm not going to lie. It's funny when you put it that way. <laughs> like, I'm dead serious. Like, if the package say, like, you ain't going to eat raw chicken. So, like, you put your chicken in the oven or whatever. It's supposed to be enough for 20 minutes. You take it out at 15 minutes. you like, dang, it got to go back in. Something ain't right. 
Like, it's the same thing. You say the little NICU babies that's born in, like, 24 weeks and stuff. Mm -hmm. They really do kind of look like raw chicken. Yes, <laughs> they do. They don't be having no, like, they little arms be all skinny and they be, they be oh, so yeah. small. They skin is kind of like, you know, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. Like, they look like little wingettes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my goodness, that's so funny. But that—that's really the, yeah, that's a good concept to say it to the parents. Like, mm -hmm. do you eat undone food? Like, you want your baby to be undone, right? Like, you know, not cooked well. I know, and I—I I mean, I know it's like a stupid like comparison, but like that's what I just be thinking to myself. You, know, you see, that's a good concept, you yeah, know? you see them yeah, come out and they—they they struggle. Some of them mm -hmm. really struggle, and I'm like, yeah, they do. A lot of times, like, if you trusted your body to grow this baby for this long, you can't trust it to grow this baby for two more weeks, three more weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. them three weeks going to fly by. Like, give your baby some time. That way they come out, they find, and they go home. Yep. Because, baby, I've heard about these NICU bills. And when I tell you, I don't ever want to see that. <laughs> yeah, this crazy. All right. That's, that's a whole other thing, too. It is. Yeah. The hospital and they bills is another story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But, baby, they told me when I was working uh, down here in New Orleans, they, they told me that a lot of times, because I used to call NICU for a lot of stuff. Um, right. But then I started... After they told me this, I started just calling calling them on the phone and asking them certain questions instead of saying, just come to the room. Because they were mm -hmm. like, if NICU comes to the room, that's a charge. Yeah. Like, even if they come to the room and don't even touch the baby and say everything fine, that's a charge. And I'm like, what? Yep. That's wild. Like, just, just to walk down the hall to peep my head in the room, you going to charge yep. me $1,000 or something? Like, that's wild. That is higher level of care. Yeah. <laughs> That is wild. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, what do you think, if you if you have any thoughts on this at all, do you mm -hmm. think there's anything that, you know, moms can do or not do? And I know that's like a wide range of things. But during mm -hmm. pregnancy that, you know, won't land their baby in NICU. <laughs> I really can't say because it's um that's kind of like you said like a white yeah honestly you can have a term baby in a NICU true you know Very so true. it really just depends on it's just situational based on every pregnancy what's going on with that specific parent mm -hmm. that baby as to why they're in NICU some like I said term kids are in the NICU because their mom the mom was a diabetic right and the baby has a uh, low glucose from the mom being a diabetic. So right. they're in it for that. Mm -hmm. You got some kids that are, you know, born preterm. They're in there for that. You got mm -hmm. some babies that was a C-section and, you know, didn't go through the birth canal to kind of squeeze all that fluid off of them. Mm -hmm. And they're in their respiratory issues. You know, mm -hmm. you got some that's okay that went to mother baby and then they're coming to us because they're a jaundice you know yeah. so every situation is just different so nothing like i said the NICU is kind of like an interruption mm -hmm. um 
it wasn't anything they planned to happen. Right. So it's really nothing that the parents can do. Like I said, unless, you know, you were doing your regular checkups with your OB and they found something in your scan that said, hey, your baby has this. And most likely they're, they were already planning, like when your baby's born, they're going to go to the NICU, we're going to do this X, Y, and Z, you know. But if you were just having a healthy scan, you had a healthy pregnancy all throughout, mm-hmm. and your baby's going to the NICU, that's that's a scare to you because you're like, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to happen to me. I thought I was going to deliver, hold my baby, take the cute pictures, right. everybody visit, and we're going home. Right. You know, you didn't think about your child needing to go into the ICU in a sense, you know? Yeah. So it's not really much that you can do. You just, you know, whatever your faith is, you just pray that, you know, you have a healthy pregnancy throughout and a healthy delivery and that you are able to bring your baby home at the end. All right. So, so let's say, cause like you said, NICU is an interruption in care. So people have their birth plans. They have, you know, like they plan to breastfeed their baby. Mm-hmm. They, you know, um, they want to do skin to skin and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Well, their baby's in NICU. So what right. what can they, like, are they able to, I guess it just depends on the situation, but what can they do to still, you know, kind of get that experience with skin to skin and breastfeeding if their baby is in the NICU? So we still encourage skin to skin and breastfeeding while in the NICU. Mm-hmm. So um, say your baby, now if your baby is like really sick and has a lot going on and they can't be held at that moment, we have like these little cloths that you can like put in your clothes where you can, your baby can get the scent, your scent, Uh-oh. and we can just put it near their head and that way they kind of have your smell. So they're kind of familiar with your smell. But if your baby is somewhat stable, we still encourage you to come and visit, you know, do skin to skin, like, um, and do skin to skin or like breastfeeding. You know, we have the, they have the hospital grade, medical grade pumps there for you to pump. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, there's milk bank in a lot of uh, hospitals where you can give your milk there and we're able to prepare your milk. Um, so all everything is still encouraged for you to do what like you would do at home is still encouraged in the hospital mm-hmm. while your baby's in that NICU state for you to have that bonding because ultimately like we're taking care of them for a while, but you're taking care of them for a lifetime. So yeah. we still try to encourage that bonding and still want you to be part of the major milestones. Like, you know, we kind of coordinate with the parents. Like today we're going to try to do the first time we'll attempt to bottle feed, you know, mm-hmm. what time you think you're going to be here. So you can, uh, um, you know, feed them. So should they finish that bottle, you have that bottle to keep or, right. you know, Hey, he's not in the isolate anymore. We're not requiring, you know, humidity to kind of help keep him warm. They're able to stabilize their temperature on their own. Like, you know, bring an outfit for you to take the picture of their first time in an outfit or, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, you know, he's stable. Like, you know, we're having some problems with temperature. You know, sometimes they do better when they are on skin to skin with mom and that helps regulate them. Mm-hmm. Like, when, you know, coordinate care. Like, oh, you come at six o'clock. Okay, we're going to try to have all our stuff together so that we can change the baby's diaper, take their temperature, get them fed, and you can hold them and do skin to skin while they're getting their feeding done. Mm-hmm. Like, so we do a lot of, um, uh, what's it called? Like uh, patient, parent, like coordinating care so that everybody's on the same page, and that way we're all we're doing 
uh, I can't think of the right word for it. Um, like our touch times are productive that mm-hmm. we were not touching these. Um, we don't need to, and that when we are touching them, we're maximizing what all we need to do while we're touching them. Because ultimately, in the NICU, when the babies are sleeping, they're growing. Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to touch them prematurely and not when they need it to, because you're causing unwanted stimulation to them. Okay. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that though. Like I've heard, um, like people who have had their experiences in NICU and, um, like how, like the nurses, I mean, obviously the nurses spend the most time, you know, with them and it's like, they'll be like, okay, let's do this. Or like, they'll text them. This is what's going on. Do you want to come in Mm -hmm. this time? Or like they have the video cameras set up and Mm -hmm. I just think that's, that's really cool that y'all also kind of incorporate parents in it because you know for me Mm -hmm. for a long time I didn't think about what happened after delivery you know and I feel like a lot of people don't think about that especially who work on labor and delivery because we do that and then they move on that we don't have anything to do with that but you know I kind of didn't even think about initially you know you don't get that same experience that you would get on mother baby you're not having your baby rooming in with you you're not waking up every two to three hours to feed your baby you're not Mm -hmm. you know changing a baby diaper before you feed. you know what i'm saying like all the basic things you be doing at home you don't necessarily get to do in NICU so i think i think it's very important to even just kind of you know cool i guess coordination of care and like having them like do things while they're there Mm -hmm. instead of like having the baby there for two three months and then be like okay bye figure it out oh no definitely (laughs) like encourage parents to come in and able to like take care of the baby like i said um you know typically you know your first thing you do when they come in they wash their hands do all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and then you know take our temperature take the baby's temperature you want it within a certain, you know, every hospital facility has like what they want their baby temperature range to be, mm-hmm. you know, temperature, you know, the nurse does her part, listen, you know, make sure the feeding tubes in place, listen to the baby's lungs, stomach, all this stuff that they do. And then we like to have the parents change the diaper. We're going to weigh like on night shift, typically we weigh on night shift, you know, weigh the baby, um, see if the baby's gained or lost weight, mm-hmm. you know, for change their outfit or if it's bath night, you know, have the parents participate in bath night, you know, you bathe the baby, like if it's the first time, then, you know, maybe we'll see one, do one, I'll mm-hmm. show you what to do one, then the next time you come, you're going to do it, or if they're familiar with the routine, have them do everything, get the baby dressed, and then, you know, you feed them or whatever's going on with, you know, the child and get them situated because the goal is for when we're getting closer to discharge from the NICU, like, or we say graduating from the NICU, mm-hmm. we want you to feel competent in bringing your baby home. Yeah, We don't want you to feel overwhelmed and feel like you don't know what to do because you've been doing it all along. And then we do a lot, a lot of places do what's called rooming in mm-hmm. before you leave. You know, you have, depending on how you, how comfortable you feel, you maybe have like, you know, two or three days, you know, where you room in and you basically do everything and the nurses come and like, you know, bring you the milk. Mm-hmm. If you have breast milk, we bring you your milk or we bring medications if the baby is on certain medications mm-hmm. and you know, you, you do everything and we just come in and check on, check on you, make sure everything's okay, but you're doing everything okay, as if you were at home. So they, when you have that feel 
um, that you're doing it yourself, but there's still that support there if you need if you need us, you know. Mm-hmm. No, so, that's good, yeah. and it's necessary. It's definitely mm-hmm. necessary. All right, so I don't really have nothing else written down. I don't think so. Do you <laughs> have any? you know, wisdom you like to impart about NICU? Because you know that's not my area. So <laughs> do you have anything you like to say? Um, I don't really think so. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, you said a lot. A lot that I feel like people need to, need to okay. hear um, that people aren't aware of. Um, yeah, I mean, NICU is important because maybe they have had times like I've legit, (laughs) listen, I don't play with respiratory with babies because I feel like it's so, it's so, yeah, it'd be so easy. Like I've seen babies like just kick out real quick, real fast. And I'm just like, as soon as they start making weird noises, I legit will call NICU. And put it on speaker and be like, listen to this. How this sound? This sound all right? <laughs> because I don't like the way it sounds. <laughs> they be like, it's fine, Sarah. Just wait like 30 minutes and if it's fine. Like, if it's still happening, call me. But if it's not, like, it, I'm sure he'll be fine in like 30 minutes or an hour. Just relax. And I'm like, see, I don't like all that. I don't like all that. Eh, eh, eh. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get it together, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like we I feel like we covered a lot. Yeah, I think we did for sure. I think we covered a lot. Um, okay. You know, I have to yeah, no, I think so. No, <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Well, I appreciate you giving us your wisdom, giving us this different take on, you know, that side of um you know, pregnancy and birth and stuff like that. Because I know I focus a lot on people's birth experience and birth stories and pregnancy, but I definitely Mm -hmm. wanted to touch on this side of it because um, especially for women of color, I feel like a lot of our babies earn stays to NICU. Like it's it's just a thing that I see. And right about that, it is predominantly children of color whether you're hispanic Mm african-american and like it is more of children of color than Mm. caucasian children you see in the nicu that that is true yeah which is it's insane to me Mm -hmm. um how in i feel like in every realm not just healthcare, not just you know education or anything there's always the disparity with the minorities. It's it's a thing, and like you, and you don't even have to read the research to see it. You work in it, and you just be like, "Dang, like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's 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 crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy." But it's almost like it's almost like we <laughs> we were almost built for it. Because we do, like, we, it, and I'm trying to see how to say it. It's just the way it's kind of coming to my mind. Like, yeah. we do so much better because maybe the odds are already stacked against us. So it's just like, True. we got to be stronger from the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. To get through it. I don't know. That's just I do weird. understand what you're saying in yeah. that part. Yeah. That's just kind of how it just came to my mind just now. You know, I only had four hours of sleep, so my brain is just doing perfect. whatever. Huh? I do think I had something to say, like, in yeah. reference to, like, our, our peep minorities with babies in the NICU. You are your child's biggest advocate. Let's go. Yes, we have our doctors there. The nurses are there. But you are your child's biggest advocate. Mm-hmm. So if you see something that's going on or you notice something, bring it to their attention. Don't feel like you're bothering or bothering the nurse or you're mm-hmm. bothering because you're asking questions about your child because ultimately we're there to service you right and the baby and so if you see something say something because it might be something that the nurse missed like hey you know i'm noticing this foot is more puffy or whatever it is you see Mm -hmm. and then that is our job to assess and then advocate your concerns to the next person Mm -hmm. that's high right Mm -hmm. And I noticed that with my parents, sometimes they don't want to be, you know, deemed uh, difficult or mm-hmm. whatever, it is, you know, or they're scared that they bring something up. We're going, you know, the team might treat their child bad when they leave or something like that. Never be afraid to advocate for your child. Mm-hmm. Never be afraid for that because that is our job to take care of your baby and give them the best care possible so that way they can go home to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So that is the biggest thing I see. People are always afraid of that. Like, no, always speak up. Yep. Because if that one time that you didn't speak up, that could be the difference between your child coming home and your child not coming home. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I love that, especially the advocate. Because like I said before, like we talk about before, we don't always end up talking about after. And one of the biggest things I talk about on the front end is advocating mm-hmm you know, for yourself and pregnancy Mm -hmm. and delivery and the type of birth Mm -hmm. you want, whatever. But then that just translates on to, you know, you bring in this child into the world. You got to advocate for you and that child. And Mm -hmm. remember, like these, us healthcare professionals are not, you're not, (laughs) we're working for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not it's not one of them things where, like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to do this. Like, literally, yeah. like, I hate, I hate. I tell my patients that all the time. I hate mm-hmm. when I go in the room um, and they, like, want to, like, a patient that's maybe delivered. That's just their antepartum. And I might do hourly, hour and a half checks or whatever. And I'm not in there, mm-hmm. like, constantly. And I'll go in the room and they're like, oh, you know, I needed this, this, and this. But I didn't want to bother you. Bro, like. Yeah. I'm here for tw- I'm here for twelve hours, and if it's two o'clock in the morning, I'm probably tired. Please call me. You're not bothering me. Like it is my job to come do what you need me to do. Call me. Yep. Like, yep. and I think that's a big thing. You gotta you gotta speak up. Like, and yep. don't be afraid to, you know, say like mm-hmm. I need this. I noticed this because at the same way you the expert on your own body, you spend time with your child. You know when something wrong. You know when something yep. not right, and you need to say something. Yeah, because even, too, when you have a good nurse that's advocating, mm-hmm. you know, you can only do so much. The yep. parents have to, you know, step in and say, you know, X, Y, and Z, too. Because, you know, maybe the nurse is advocating this and the team is not listening. But, yeah. you know, you have that added support from the, the family mm-hmm. or the family is saying that the nurse is there to back up. You guys are teaming up and saying, no, we're noticing this. That shines more light on the exactly. situation. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, Very no, true. that is something big that parents need to do yeah when you see something say something yeah 
educating yourself and just knowing mm -hmm. and just knowing what yep. people and it's wild what's wild is that there is there's a a part of the consents that patients sign when they come into the hospital their patient rights and they don't right. realize like what rights they have within this hospital system mm -hmm. everybody in this hospital system is working for you yeah like you are the person here that we are doing things for and if you don't feel like yeah. things are up to par it is your right to say something if you just yeah. sit there and say something you can't go to me this I, this is just how i feel you can't sit there and go home and complain and be like this person didn't do x y and z did you say yeah. something yeah because even the best nurse can miss something you yes. know what i'm saying even the best mm -hmm. doctor can miss something you know if yeah. you notice it you gotta say something like yep. So, but no, I love that. Thank you for that. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. <laughs> I just want to say I'm so proud of you for having us <laughs> for educating our moms on what it's like for laboring on all aspects. You know, everything leading up during pregnancy, after pregnancy, and also shining a light on, you know, the NICU and things that, you know, you don't expect, you know, after you have your baby. So I'm just super happy for you. And I'm <laughs> proud of how well this podcast is going. So thank yay. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> 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 okay, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. For another week of Phases of the Womb podcast, make sure you guys are sharing with your friends um, on what that on whatever platform you use. Uh, on that platform, make sure you're liking and commenting and subscribing. Um, just get it out there. Give people information that they wouldn't otherwise have. Make sure you're sending me comments on Instagram and let me know about anything um, that you have questions about or any topics that you want to hear more about. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks for supporting me and y'all have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.